Welcome to This Messianic Life. My name is Dorothy Gittleman, and in this podcast, I'll share my Messianic Jewish life experience as we explore the diversity of practice across the Messianic Jewish world. Today on the show, we meet Troy Mitchell. Troy has served as a worship leader for over 20 years. He is also a recording artist with four albums, Light of the World, Yoke of the King, Awake, and his brand new album, Sion. His music is eclectic, drawing from a wide range of influences. His online bio says, Mitchell's original songs draw from the Gospels, the Hebrew of the Tanakh, the Midrash, synagogue prayers, and first century liturgy even utilizing the Greek of the apostolic scriptures to bring a fusion of Hasidic joy, gospel hope, jazz, and soulish prayer focused on the light of the Messiah. Join us as we discuss life in the Messianic world and explore Troy's path of faith. Let's meet Troy Mitchell. Troy, welcome to this Messianic life. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have you. In a nutshell, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, your occupation, um, how you are a part of the Messianic Jewish community? Yeah. Um, how long would you like me to go? <laughs> um, <laughs> I could do a brief synopsis. A brief, um, brief, brief synopsis. synopsis. Oh, yeah. All right. So I'm married with six kids. Um, uh, grew up uh, Christian in a, mostly Assemblies of God Church and then found Messianic Judaism and you know, throughout all that time, I've been a musician as well, but, you know, um, blind, I'm a blind musician, uh, recording artist and studio guy. Uh, also, yeah, I think that's, that's pretty like a, like a short, short synopsis of it. Um, yeah, pretty much like that. Where do you live? If you don't mind. Oh, there, where I live in Hudson, Wisconsin. It's like, a, it's considered like a suburb of Minneapolis, okay. uh, Twin Cities area. So it's like, just right across the river um right on the border of wisconsin and minnesota so it's like only like 25 minutes from the twin cities and you're yeah. part of the messianic congregation there right yeah yes yes sorry yeah um yeah i go to beth emmanuel messianic synagogue it's, yeah it's there right there in hudson i live like right across the alleyway so it's a nice short walk <laughs> so what's yeah. your involvement with your synagogue i do the canting like um, well a good chunk of it there's other people that chip in but i do like the canting like the chazan i'm the chazan mm -hmm. um so we used to have more of a musical service at our synagogue but um we kind of transitioned into more liturgical and we were always were liturgical i guess but we kind of like it just ended up just being more of a liturgical service than uh songs song and song singing and stuff like that so mm -hmm. it's i at first it was just the you know like the the song leader guy because that's what i did in the church i was right. a music music pastor so i i i transitioned quite easily except for i didn't know any hebrew <laughs> the i was a worship leader here um and led services and then eventually i just got thrown into the the position of leading as a cantor and that's that's uh that's how that worked <laughs> more to it but uh, that's kind of how it went briefly so how old were you when you um came to messianic judaism let's see i gotta I, I, I measure everything with 
yeah I imagine everything with my kids you know like what happened when uh, <laughs> yes like how old was the kid at this time <laughs> so yes. it usually happens somewhere around there so I'd say kind of I think we started attending Beth Emanuel like uh, around 18 19 years ago I would say so kind of maybe like 19 20 years ago I started to get kind of like whoa what's it what is this stuff and then I kind of like kind of took it on more or less uh, 18 19 years ago now Beth Emanuel is more of an of a very observant congregation yeah we're kind of yeah kind of traditional it's kind of like if you went to any like modern orthodox okay. synagogue or something like that it it wouldn't really if you came in our service you'd be like oh yeah this is how it is and then except for like you know yeshua and like you know reading the gospels otherwise it's, it's pretty standard for the most part so basically a davening service with yeah. um with a hazegron mashiach on occasion yeah yep yep we always yeah we always do i always do a gospel reading alongside the torah reading and the prophets so we make sure and we yeah we do pesach you know if we went to our pesach seder that would probably be, probably be pretty obvious that it's messianic too mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, we don't like Zikon. Uh, you're, you're talking like, uh, like, uh, is that like, like a Lord's Supper or Eucharist? Like kind Lord's of thing. Supper. Mm -hmm. We don't do that like, like monthly or weekly or anything like that. We just mostly do it at Passover. That's kind of like our big celebration of that. Okay. Most, so we kind of, I don't, I, I noticed that. I think that other people do it. In other in the Messianic community, they do it more often. I think mm -hmm. is that correct? Yeah, it depends on the community. I mean, I know yeah. that, um, and it also really, I think it varies depending on where, like, a community comes from, like, where they were raised up as believing in Yeshua. I mean, um, we're not against that. We're just, we just do it once a year. <laughs> so. Sure, sure. Our practice at Simcha is about monthly, which is really similar to, like, a Baptist kind of tradition. That's our church was monthly. We took communion monthly. Yeah. So I'm pretty used to that. Yeah, that's very standard. So how does your faith in Yeshua um, inform your Jewish walk of faith? So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I could kind of like go back just a little bit and then yeah. kind of describe, you know, you know, as I was a Christian, I was like, came to know Yeshua or Jesus as a Christian at a Baptist church, actually. I got saved and baptized in the Baptist church and then we started going not too long after that to Assemblies of God Church and became like the worship leader, you know, uh, in the youth group, and then eventually transitioned into being the, the worship leader in the main service for on the main Sundays. Um, and then, and then uh, I think I got, I got married, still didn't, I don't think Messianic Judaism was, was really even a twinkle in our eyes when, when uh when i got married mm -hmm. so i didn't, didn't know anything about it and uh, uh my wife's brother aaron Eby, he um he got into it because my wife and him their great grandfather is jewish and so he had like a seder plate and and stuff like that and some just some things left over from that and he was curious about it so he he kind of got into it and started you know kicking around the dirt and seeing what's there and mm -hmm. he got really interested in it and then he it kind of brought along me in the process like shortly after i mean not like maybe a year or so after 
uh-huh. he started inviting me to play at their services. They had services and he was like, you want to play piano at our service? I was like, well, sure. <laughs> so I did that. This was before Beth Emanuel even. This is like Seed of Abraham, which is like a really old synagogue, Messianic okay. synagogue from the Twin Cities. Um, so I played there and then, you know, I, I, I liked it. You know, it was, it was very charismatic. And so I'm AG church. We're charismatic as well. Right. Um, so that stuff, you know, didn't really stand out to me. It was the stuff like Hebrew, the Hebrew really stood out to me and, and the significance of holidays and mm-hmm. the depth, you know, the Hebrew. And I was like, well, that stuff was like the stuff that stuck out. It's kind of like somebody's serving you coffee and you have coffee and coffee and coffee. And then somebody gives you like coffee with like caramel and chocolate. And it's like, whoa, I really like that. <laughs> caramel and chocolate. Whoa. Yeah. So that's what it was like. And then, and then eventually uh, Daniel Lancaster, he had a, uh, he had some Torah studies on Sunday nights and uh, I started going there. I went there once. And when I got done with that, I was like, Whoa, I, that was, that was blew me away. It was like, I was kind of like that. I always describe it as, you know, you're really, really thirsty, but you don't realize how thirsty you are. And then once you take a drink, you're just like, I need some more. I need some more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. That's, that's kind of how it like, became. And I just, I was hooked at that moment. And, um, and so and then Yeshua, yeah, Yeshua just came alive to me. And then he still, you know, it, you turn it over and over and over again, and you still learn more as you read the Gospels. And, you know, it's just coming in full color you know, as, as we go and learn more about Yeshua. It's, it's pretty amazing. I don't know if that really answered the question exactly, but Yeshua just kind of informs my walk that way. He, like challenge me challenges me and my perspectives and um and my walk and how i treat people and you know what uh what my goals should be mm-hmm. and so that's that's kind of if that answers it i think that's what i would say yeah um what kind of observance do you have in your home in terms of jewish observance and practice Jew- jewish observance uh so we kind of well we have a kosher kitchen so we mm-hmm. keep we do that kind of thing we keep shabbat so we'll have you know shabbat every friday night and saturday and we'll usually always have guests over friday night and we'll i'll go to davening on friday nights and lead the davening because mm-hmm. that's usually my favorite service i love kabbalah shabbat this is probably my favorite service of all shabbat um and then yeah we'll come back and have a meal and have guests and then pretty pretty traditional I, we don't do all of the, you know, like the malachot, uh, the, the restrictions. Um, cause my wife, though she is Jewish, she's not like halakhically Jewish. She wouldn't be considered Jewish because there's just separate too much separation and between her great grandfather and her. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> They're like really Jewish. So, so we just kind of, we, we resonate with that. So we kind of keep, keep some of the stuff. We kind of keep as much, you know, as, as comfortable. I, I don't want to like, it's not worth stressing our family out over it. So, but we, we like, we love Shabbat. We keep Shabbat to a certain extent and we, we like candles and, you know, have challah and, and do all the blessings and, and stuff like that. So we, it's, uh, let's see, uh, try to eat kosher in the house. Most of it's you know? hard to keep kosher out of the house. Yeah, it is. So we, we'll eat at, you know, regular restaurants. We'll just usually eat vegetarian. That's just, we just, do vegetarian yeah. stuff and so 
that's how we just get around that for now. Um, but in the house, we keep it kosher. We serve kosher food. And I think it's mostly we want to be hospitable. It's it's a hospitality thing. Mm-hmm. We want anybody to be able to come and feel comfortable eating at our house. And that's one of the main reasons why we do it. That that's makes sense. Yeah. So do you identify as Jewish? Was that? Do you identify as Jewish? Oh, no, no, no. No, I don't personally know. So, yeah, I don't think I have any Jewish blood in me. <laughs> I tried doing the 23 in me, you know, and, and I didn't, evidently I didn't have a soul because they rejected my <laughs> sample. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I was like on the Truman Show or something. It's like, I'm not a real person, am I? <laughs> there's not but 23. No, there's, no, there's nothing in me, actually. <laughs> That's what they call it. <laughs> nothing in me. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. So I just, I, I, so there's a, there's that dynamic. So I kind of like come at, from a, from a different angle than a lot of people, I guess. And so that's another reason why we're a little more flexible with, you know, observance and stuff like that, because it's not really necessary for me to keep a lot of that stuff. So, but I do it a lot for, you know, uh, just bringing out Yeshua and like it connects me to Yeshua a little more doing some of these things and remembering Shabbat, like Shabbat, like you could just pick anything. Like Shabbat is like, Shabbat is supposed to be like um, a foretaste of the world to come. You know, it's yeah. a foretaste, you know, so observing Shabbat is like latching onto that world to come. You know, you can, you can kind of get the picture and a taste of that. So for me doing that, it's, it's, that's how I connect. I connect through Yeshua and through the significance of what it's foreshadowing and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love Shabbat. <laughs> yeah, it's it's what what brought me to Judaism also. Um, so tell me about being blind and how that affects your life. Or uh, were you born blind? I yeah. So this is the question. Um, I was not born blind. Um, I have a disease called RP or retinitis pigmentosa. Mm-hmm. I forget exactly what it does, but it basically, um, it's a degenerative disease, uh, that, that eventually will make you blind. So it's very unpredictable. Mm -hmm. So some people like will lose their sight gradually throughout their life. And some people just like all of a sudden one day it's like, it's gone. Oh wow! (laughs) And then some people, you know, it's just, you could lose lose it early in life. You could lose it later in life. Um, so mine's been kind of gradual, uh, thank God. So I had sight in the beginning, not the best sight, but good enough to see people. I know what things look like. I know what colors are and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of a blessing in a way. Um, and so I got to see things and I know what my wife looked like, <laughs> you know, also I kind of gauge it by that too. Like my wife and my kids, he's like, when I, when, when, when was I not able to see what my kids look like? And I think my last few kids, I have no clue what they look like you know oh wow so that's kind of strange so just seeing that slow progress of that happening uh, yeah so it's so it's, it's a challenge definitely um blindness um so yeah i got it so i you know i even was able to drive for a little bit um and then i know my eyesight wasn't good enough so then they said you know, we're not, you're not going to have this permit anymore. <laughs> so, but 
I didn't get any accidents or anything, but I was able to drive a little bit just a few times. And then, yeah, I, I passed my permit test and all that kind of stuff, but that's, that's not really important. Um, so how blindness shaped me, um, it, I think in a way is it kind of took a lot of, nah, I would say it took a lot of the starch out of me, you know, I was like, <laughs> it made me realize a lot of different things. Uh, I think it just, it humbles you in a way. Um, yeah. Uh, having something you have to deal with and wrestle with, whether it be blindness or anything, you know, having that difficulty in your life makes you struggle and it can be a blessing or it can, it can wreck you. I think in all situations, all situations, it can wreck you or it can make you stronger. It can make you a better person. And, you know, I like to think I've become a better person mm -hmm. <laughs> through all this, you know, I'm not awesome. I'm, I'm not going to say I'm awesome, but, you know, I think it's, it's helped me help me take a perspective on life and i think hashem has blessed me in other ways he's given me music you know i think music has been a, a way to just kind of express myself i always think of music as this way of like connecting i don't know connecting with hashem for sure but connecting with your own self mm -hmm. um like i learned piano i didn't really learn piano i have no lessons really and so I just sat down on the piano and I would just bang on the piano. I'd hit notes. And I always think of this like I always came home because I wasn't a very popular kid at school because of blindness and, you know, your four eyes and whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> that kind of stuff. You know, and you just come home and you play the piano. And it's like the piano is the one that understood you. And it kind of that's kind of how I describe it. Like the piano just kind of heard me. It listened to me. I, res I resonate with that. Absolutely. Um, is piano your first instrument? Uh, no, I'd say it's saxophone. So I learned saxophone in, in school and okay. band, school band. Yeah. So, and then my brother taught me a Michael W. Smith song. I didn't know any chords. He just taught, I don't even remember what the name of the song was, but he taught me a song. And then <clears throat> I just started banging away and I learned piano through playing worship songs. Mm -hmm. I just play intervals because I didn't know anything i just play the melody with another note kind of as a root and then yeah i just basically developed and started learning like patterns and i was like whoa this is how it works <laughs> kind of so yeah but, but, but blindness is 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 tough i think uh, has been tough for me i think it's been a tough part of my life like accepting it accepting mm -hmm. who i am and i think i've noticed that just i was thinking about it through this week because i knew you're going to ask this question yeah. about blindness and i thought well, what is how has that affected me in my in my life and i look back like in in school i remember you know sitting in class and everybody had to go around and read a read like a paragraph so mm -hmm. like down up and down the rows and you know, i can't read very well and was, with my disease you get kind of a tunnel vision and so reading is very slow and so i don't want to stand out you don't ever want, nobody nobody wants to stand out Mm -hmm. So I'd like memorize, I'd find out, okay, I'm about, I'd be about the seventh paragraph in. So I'd start like rehearsing it, <laughs> rehearsing my paragraphs so I wouldn't sound stupid. And, you know, stuff like that, or like just trying to do stuff. And I, but looking back on it now, it's like, if I just went to the teacher and said, you know, I can't see, could I, could I not have to read? And it probably wouldn't have been a big deal. Right. <laughs> you know, but back yeah. then it's the biggest deal in the world. And that's the way it was. Same with, you know, playing gym, you're playing badminton. I can't play badminton. You can't follow the birdie <laughs> no. around the air. I'd still <laughs> play it and 
try to suffer through it. But I, I told my teacher, I was like, yeah, you could just sit out. And, and then um, I think later through elementary school, we, uh, they started getting me into, they wanted me to get like cane, like learning how to use a cane and walk with a cane. Oh, and I was not, <laughs> no. I was not having that. Who wants to stand out like that? No like, way. Oh, no way. No way. So, so I rejected that. I didn't get training actually until like my fifth kid was, my wife was pregnant with my fifth kid. I got like blind training, like a cane okay. training and all that kind of stuff. So, so it's been a very hard progress of accepting myself um, and trying to, because I realize I'm not the same as other people. Mm-hmm. It's, or, which is not, which is okay. It's, it's okay. We're all a little different. Um, but, you know, I noticed, you know, I, I know that I knew, I knew in my heart that, you know, everybody else could see for the most part and I couldn't see very well. So. I felt different and I don't want to be different and nobody wants to be different. Um, but I've come to know, realize that I, that's the way Hashem's made me. And, and there's difficult times for sure. You know, you get really sad or you get depressed at some times, but overall, I think I've learned how to, you know, bounce back from that and use it for the good. And yeah, that's, that's mostly it. I've gone through school, you know, blind training mm-hmm. as a blind person. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that was an experience on its own. And that helps you. Uh, I think I, I came to that point where I said, I need training just from my experiences with other people throughout the years. And just realizing, you know, like I bump into somebody at a restaurant, you know, and they turn around or they shove you or, they turn around and say drunk or something like that. It's like, uh, this is, you know, I understand why they did that, <laughs> you know, but I just took that as a, you could take that in a bad way or you could take that as like, you know, I'm saying like, maybe you need some help now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just realized and I, and I needed some help. I needed to be more confident in my travel and all kinds of things. And so I, I broke down, I went to school and it was very, very learning much of a learning time for me um so yeah that's kind of how it goes thank you for sharing that what is your favorite jewish tradition whoa Mm. okay or one you just love favorite so hard i have i ask my kids favorite they're like that that you can't ask favorite but what's something that that you love Hmm. i love i like I like Sukkot. Sukkot's awesome, but mm. I still think Kabbalah Shabbat is one of my favorite things. Um, yeah. Especially walking. Like, I've had the ability to walk up the Kabbalah Shabbat and back. It's just the camaraderie, I think, of it. I remember this is back. We still drove on Shabbat. We're still in that position, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Um, and there was a community that we were able to, they had a, like, a small community of believers that lived close to each other and we we visited there mm-hmm. and it was a friday saturday so we get sleepover you know and then they had prayers at somebody's house in the in the neighborhood and so i, I was like okay let's do that and so i i went and we walked there and said the prayers and, and came back and you know and walked and came and ate and it was like something about that it was just like it just i don't know it just 
it floored me. I don't know. I just, I just love the feeling of it. It's like the, the I don't know. Like, I can't describe it, but that this is more like com, com, camaraderie. You know, just walking there, the freshness of the air. You know, seeing other people walking and and then coming back and I don't know. It's just, I just love that. I don't know. Cowboy mm. spot. I gotta gotta say is probably my favorite uh, overall. <laughs> so just from that experience and it's always thrilled me to be able to go to Kablak Shabbat yeah that that's that's awesome as we close out I'd like to ask you is there a messianic Jewish leader that you admire let's see here that's a good question uh <clears throat> you know of course our own leader here at our synagogue Daniel Lancaster very inspiring um that's kind of i got yeah uh <clears throat> otherwise let's see there's no right or wrong your yeah. your your leader can be the one who inspires you that way i know that's what it feels like i should pick somebody else that's not my leader <laughs> like, I, I guess that's why I, i'm here i guess <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. yeah there's no right or wrong to that one it's yeah. the one that you you, you admire him cool <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, yeah. I'm going to wrap yeah. this episode up right now. Um, but thank you so much, Troy, for being on our episode. And I look forward to having you again to talk more about your music. Oh, great. I'd, I'd really appreciate that. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me in this journey. It is my joy to meet new people and learn more about other people's journeys. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas, send me an email at thismessianiclife at gmail.com. Or you can find me at This Messianic Life on Instagram and Facebook. I put links in the show notes to my social media and playlists on Spotify and YouTube. You can find Troy on his website at troymitchellmusic.com. You can also follow him on Facebook and Instagram and support him on Patreon. Just search Troy Mitchell Music and you should find him. Let's connect next time on This Messianic Life.